I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. What's the real state of the economy? Uh, the headlines that many people are worried about record high inflation, supply shortages. Is the economy actually a little more resilient than we think it might be? Well, we're going to turn to the president and chief executive officer of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco to see if there are some answers beyond the headlines. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Pleased to have joining us on the program today, Mary C. Daly. She is the president and chief executive officer of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Uh, president Daly, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted. Uh, well, it's great to have you in the state of Utah. You spoke at uh, Utah Valley University as part of the commencement down there. And we'll we'll come back to those uh, important messages that I think you gave not only to the graduates, but I think to the rest of us as well. Uh, but we want to talk about your day job first uh, as uh <laughs> president and chief executive officer of the Federal Reserve. Give us a little lay of the land in terms of where the Federal Reserve is. Obviously, there's a lot of concern in terms of inflation and what's happening with interest rates. Uh, give us just a little lay of the land there. Sure. That's a great question. Thanks for starting me off that way. The main message that I want to convey to everyone listening is that inflation is too high. It's been too high for too long, and we have to, we have a price stability goal, so we have to get inflation back down and give some relief to average Americans who are feeling it in their everyday expenses. The other part of that equation, though, is that the economy is strong. It has considerable of momentum. We have done remarkably well at being resilient in the U.S. through the pandemic and now as we move from pandemic to endemic. And really, the economy no longer needs the type of emergency support that the Federal Reserve offered during the depths of, of, of COVID. And it's ready to move forward without the support. So withdrawing the support leaves an economy that can still function solidly on its own two feet, but it also also provides some relief to inflation. We're not the only game in town. We also have to rely on supply chains recovering, the war in Ukraine settling out, and Americans trying to buy more services and fewer goods and getting their normal spending patterns back on path. But we are committed at the Federal Reserve to doing whatever we can do to help get inflation back down to something closer to price stability, which in my mind means 
Americans don't have to wake up every morning worrying about whether prices are going to be higher tomorrow. Oh, that's uh, that's great insight. And uh, you, you talk about that resilient factor, and I, I do think it's so important to underscore that, that uh, so many things are moving in the right direction. We need to build off of those. Uh, you talked about some of the, the things in terms of government policy, in terms of uh, what happened during the pandemic. Some say that contributed to inflation. Some say it did a lot. Some say it did a little. Uh, where, where do we really fall on that? And, and what are the policies that we should be thinking about uh, as we look? Uh, some are calling it, the, you know, how do we stick the soft landing? Uh, but then how do we make sure we maximize that resilience that you talked about? You know, absolutely. So the, the first thing I'd like to remind everyone of is that there's a pretty big difference between monetary policy and fiscal policy that often looks the same to the average person, but it's actually quite different. They're independent organizations doing independent uh, work for the economy. And so at the Federal Reserve, our job is to use the interest rate to create price stability, full employment, and put the economy on a sustainable path. And there, that's about removing the emergency accommodation we've been offering, getting us at least to a neutral rate of interest where the economy functions completely on its own, but then looking out and seeing if we need to do more, kind of put on the brakes a little bit, tug back this tremendous momentum. On the fiscal side of the house, the elected officials, they're responsible for some of the mentor, the COVID relief that you saw, that people saw coming through income support and unemployment insurance and other programs to get people through the worst of the pandemic. Those things have rolled off. There is the um, diminishment of that fiscal support. But now I think elected officials are really, you see this uh, when I talk to elected officials, this is what I'm hearing, they're really focused on how do we capture the resilience of the American people, the American economy, but then look forward to what's going to be needed to ensure that we can continue to grow. And the things that I see outlined that I really know are essential ingredients to a well-functioning economy are infrastructure that includes you know, infrastructure like roads and bridges, but also broadband, mm-hmm. the educational system that allows everyone to do their very best work, whether that's in, in, a, in a trade or with a four-year degree, whatever that is, making sure that we're educated and can continue to work hard and be globally competitive. So those are all the things that our fiscal agents are working on, our elected officials, the Federal Reserve. We're just putting the economy back on a sustainable path so that we can get there in a way that's not volatile and doesn't come with this high price tag in terms of inflation. Yeah, and what is, uh, is, is there something out there that you wish we were talking about uh, as general public, as uh, you mentioned all the different components there in terms of your role? what uh, elected officials are doing, what American citizens are doing. What's the conversation we're not having when it comes uh, to the economy and, and where we would like to be heading? One thing that I see, and I see this in every what I would call turning points where we've come out of a, a deep shock like the like COVID and we're now looking forward, is we, we often go slowly towards what we need to remember constantly, that ultimately our job people working now and people thinking about policy today, our job is to look forward and ask, how are we going to build an economy that's better than the one we inherited so that the future generations have something they can start with and launch from? And I really would love our conversation to be forward looking. How are we going to maintain our global competitiveness? How are we going to get our labor force participations rates up to, you know, that's the number of prime age people who are actually in the labor market, how are we going to be competitive with other countries in that? And how are we going to ensure that 
everyone has a chance to succeed in an inclusive economy that that allows us all to kind of make the pie better. It, it's sort of that mantra of we all do better when we all do better. And I see that spirit in, in Utah, by the way. I, it was one of the things that really impresses me. And I think that idea that communities matter, we knew that in the pandemic, let's bring that forward and let's really work hard to think about the future generations and what they deserve and what they're going to need. Uh, absolutely love that. And that uh, leads to a topic we hit often on this program, and that is this essence of leadership, what that looks like, what that sounds like, what that acts like. Uh, and one of the things that you have done over the course of uh, an extraordinary career thus far uh, is is shown that leadership. And I know you, you pin that onto what you call the 3D of public service, which I just love. Will you share that with our listeners? Sure. It's really, you know, we want out of our leaders in my judgment, and this is what I try to live up to every day, is we want them to be bring their best evidence, their best minds, their intellectual. We want them to bring their vision and values and all of the things that they've committed to, and we want them to bring their humanity. Because if we forget, as leaders, our humanity, then we, by definition, leave people aside. And so I, I really work hard to try not to be a hero that is two-dimensionalized and very unaware of human emotions or what humans need, but actually step into my humanity and say that there's courage in being human while you're leading, while you're creating vision values, uh, a mission forward, and while you're using your best research to be evidence-based. And if we can get 3D leaders, I see this really developing in younger generations where they are not afraid of emotions like the generation I grew up in. But I really think we harness that and we're going to see that go forward. And again, I see some of those aspects in, in Utah and I saw it through and through in, um, in my time with uh, UVU last week. That's Mary Daly. She's president and chief executive officer of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. And uh, as she mentioned, she was in town last week, uh, spoke to the graduating class there at Utah Valley University. And I, I think she fits that model of Utah Valley University, that grit and grace. Uh, she has an amazing story that we're going to come back to uh, in our next segment. But I think as we look at uh, where we've begun here, uh, I think it's so important to look at what she was talking about in terms of the economy and what that actually means means. I love that she recognized in Utah uh, that Utah is a place that we all do better when we all do better and that communities do matter and that there are a lot of the answers uh, to all kinds of things in the community, not necessarily coming out of Washington, D.C. So this is one of those where we'd like to follow the uh, words of Albert Einstein and not about being smarter. It's about being willing to stay with the question a little longer. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to stay with my conversation. She had some incredible ideas and wisdom for the graduating class at Utah Valley University. Some leadership lessons right here from the state of Utah that Washington ought to take a look at. Stay with us. Much more to come. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. With Lloyd Matheson. We're staying with the conversation just a little bit longer today because the questions actually matter. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, I had the opportunity to speak with Mary Daly, who is the president and chief executive officer of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Uh, so obviously involved in a lot of the monetary policy and strategy of things going on. 
And uh, she was here in Utah for Utah Valley University's uh, commencement. Uh, was the keynote speaker there. And uh, she's an extraordinary leader in so many ways. And so we want to stay with this conversation. Uh, she is someone who uh, is all about the humanity. She talked about that in our last segment, that we have to show that courageous vulnerability to lean into our stories uh, and to, to lead with an authenticity that is often lacking in public figures today. And so we're going to stay with the conversation. Here's some more of my interaction, my interview from earlier today with Mary Daly, again, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. You have leaned into to your story and uh, having that courageous vulnerability is what we like to call it, that uh, we can, you know, share that humanity. And uh, you, your story is is so extraordinary. You you dropped out of high school. <laughs> how, do you, how do you go from dropping out of high school uh, to president and CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco? That is a uh, that's a journey. With a lot of grace and a lot of help, actually. And by grace, I mean, you know, giveness of the giving of others. Mm. You know, I was really fortunate. Someone, and she was 32, 33 at the time. And it was just extraordinary, right, to think of some young person, and I'm in my teens, looking out and saying, oh, I think you have potential. And then nudging me to get a GED. And I did because I thought, oh, I can get a better job. I can be a bus driver. It requires a GED. And then she's not satisfied, but she's also not pushy. She's just nudgy. So she nudges me. Why don't you take a semester of college? She paid for that semester of college, which I, I still think of that as one of the most enormous giving back. It was $216 and still it changed my life. And then I went on to college. And, you know, when you, my experience in that is, I lived firsthand what it's like to be helped, what it's like to be lifted up by others. And so I've devoted my entire career to trying to do that in every aspect of my life, my professional life, my personal life, my community life. And I I really think that is our dedication to each other. That's what being another focused leader looks like to me. And it's why I tell my story, because it's really to remind people not of the remarkable journey I've taken, but of the remarkable gift that we give each other when we just give a hand up. We mm. never even know what's possible in people until we just lift them up and let them try. Uh, love that. Uh, so many important lessons in there. Uh, in, in your address uh, to the graduates at Utah Valley University, uh, you talked about that uh, uniqueness and uh, and leaning into that uh, story in a different way, kind of writing your, your own letter. Uh, just give us a little sense of that, uh, especially as you look at the young people today uh, and, and really that not trying to fit in and be everything, but to lean into your own story and to recognize that the things that differentiator uh, is really the value uh, in in the face of overwhelming similarity, those differences. Uh, and if we value those differences, that really is what uh, creates that community and, and that upward mobility and opportunity you talk about. It's absolutely true. I mean, I've seen it time and time again in my career. If you think just start with my policy work, we make monetary policy for every American. Well, that means I need to have voices of every American at least represented, if not at the table. So you think about that. That means we shouldn't all come to our careers and try to put ourselves in a cookie cutter mold that says this is what you look like if you're an economist or an accountant or a, a work at a factory or work in IT. We should actually think about what are you bringing to this to this world you're coming into and how do you change that world? I really want young people in particular to think that the best kind of experience we can have is an employer or a worker or, or 
bunch of firms is if our young people come in or anyone comes in, they bring their unique self and they look at things that we've been doing you know, forever, just a slightly different way because of who they are. So it really is our differences that make us stronger. We put our best ideas together, we find ourselves, but it also makes us feel safer and more comfortable because then we recognize that we can truly be 3D because we meet people who don't look like us, who don't think like us, who maybe have different views and ideas about what to do, but we find our core, which is really our value systems about caring about each other, working on community. Those things can unite us, but we can allow for all this richness of difference to be there. And so I encourage young people then, and and every time I come in contact with, with young people, try your hardest to be yourself. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but I tell you it will pay huge dividends, not only to you and your family, but to everything you do, all your work. Uh, fantastic. Mary C. Day is the president and chief executive officer of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. And Mary, thank you for some great insight and some monetary policy uh, and also some life lessons that uh, are equally valuable and important to having thriving communities in a thriving country. Uh, we appreciate your work at the Federal Reserve there in San Francisco and uh, for your great insight and interest here in the state of Utah. Well, thank you so much. And, and thanks again for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And that was Mary Daly, and uh, she had some just tremendous uh, insight there. If you missed the first part of the program today, you can go back on the podcast later this afternoon uh, and hear all of that. Her insight in terms of where we are in the economy was really important. I just love the way she approaches leadership uh, in terms of what her job is, what her role is. And I love this idea, that it is, and it is true, and we play this out every day, that uh, we all do better when we all do better. And there's a there's a path for all of that. Uh, the one thing that just has uh, just been ringing in my ears since my conversation uh, with her earlier today uh, was this idea of someone being nudgy. Uh, I really like that term. Uh, she talked about uh, a mentor, someone who was in their early 30s, who took an interest in Mary, uh, who was in her teens, who had dropped out of high school at age 15. Uh, and she said this person was was just nudgy, not pushy, uh, not overbearing, not demanding, just nudgy uh, and encouraged uh, Mary to get her GED. And uh, just to reframe how Mary said that, <laughs> it was a little bit of a stunner. She said, uh, I thought, well, I can get my GED and I can get a better job. I can be a bus driver. And that that would be her path. Uh, but her mentor was not satisfied with that. Uh, and nudged her a little bit further uh, to take uh, some classes at, at the local community college. Uh, and talk about a return on investment. Think about this. So here's someone not related to Mary, someone who's just taken an interest in a young person and invested $216 so that Mary could try out some college courses and see how it went. And then to watch that play out as Mary found her footing, as she recognized her uniqueness uh, and just rallied and flourished. Uh, and, of course, now uh, is the president and CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. That's quite a journey. But it shows you the impact of a leader with vision, a leader who can look at a young person or an employee or a colleague or a friend and say, I see potential in you. Uh, I see something extraordinary there. Let's let's check it out. And then not pushing, not being overbearing, but a little nudgy uh, can get someone engaged and help them discover who they really are 
Uh, and I, I love that about our conversation and her her words to the graduates at Utah Valley University. Again, I thought were so so spot on uh, as she talked about really valuing your own uniqueness. Uh, I often tell uh, young people as they're writing and applying for those first jobs that they're competing against people who are very similar to them. Similar background, similar education, similar experience. They're just starting out. And so rather than writing in generalities that any of the peers, any of the competitors could do, focus on your uniqueness, on the things that are differentiators. Uh, Because remembering that in the face of overwhelming similarity, even slight differences are perceived as more valuable. And so we have to recognize that. And again, Mary's conversation uh, with the graduates there at Utah Valley University uh, to to just be yourself. And I love that she pointed out that being yourself is not the easy road. Sometimes it's really hard to be yourself. Sometimes it's easier to be what someone else expects you to be or to put on a, a nice facade uh, so everybody thinks that uh, everything is great and wonderful in your world. And sometimes it just takes a little more courage, takes some courageous vulnerability to be able to have a, a different kind of conversation. But that's how we understand our humanity. And I love that Mary uh, has framed her policy work in the context that she has lived what it's like to need help and to be helped, to need to be lifted and to be lifted. And because she had experienced that herself as she sets monetary policy that impacts all of us, she has that kind of perspective, and that's uh, an important lesson for us. All right, we're going to step aside for some bottom-of-the-hour news. When we come back, it was a speech for the ages, all ages, from 18 to 97 and a half. Find out about that coming up next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.